Welcome to Sunrise, your weekday podcast bringing you a fresh squeeze into Florida's news, politics, and culture. I'm your host, Tremel Gomes, reporting from the Florida Capitol, as the Facebook whistleblower calls for government oversight on Capitol Hill. My fear is that without action, divisive and extremist behaviors we see today are only the beginning. Here in Florida, lawmakers are making a call for the state to have a chief diversity officer. Uh, implicit bias training is simply training so that you recognize when there is um, bias that you you might not, that's not as obvious. And on the heels of Florida's virtual human trafficking summit, advocates say it's important to stay vigilant. It's not something that you've seen in a movie or maybe glamorized in entertainment or music. Anyone can fall victim and anyone can be susceptible. We're doubling up on Sunrise interviews today. First, we have Democratic State Senator Lori Berman, who just filed a bill to create a chief diversity officer of Florida. We also hear from Erin Collins, executive director of the Florida Alliance to End Human Trafficking. This comes after more than 4,000 people attended the virtual 2021 Human Trafficking Summit, featuring Attorney General Ashley Moody alongside Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver Chris Goodwin. We'll cover top stories trending around the state and capital, plus we have your calendar of political events and more. But first, a word from our sponsor. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics. Following is a paid political advertisement paid for by Florida Education Champions. Online sports betting, it's legal and it's coming to Florida. With passage of our amendment next year, any tax revenues collected are required to supplement the Florida Educational Enhancement Trust Fund. Hundreds of millions of dollars in new revenue for students and teachers, with more choices and competition for Florida consumers. Be a champion today. Learn more and request your petition at FloridaEducationChampions.com. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, October 6th. It's National Pumpkin Seeds Day, National Noodle Day, as well as National Coaches Day. It seems like Urban Meyer started celebrating that a bit too early. On this day in 1961, President John F. Kennedy advises American families to build bomb shelters to protect them from atomic fallout in the event of a nuclear war. And in 1993, Michael Jordan retired from professional basketball saying, I don't have anything else to prove, only to return in March 1995. Facebook knows that its amplification algorithms Things like engagement-based ranking on Instagram can lead children from very innocuous topics like healthy recipes. I think all of us could eat a little more healthy. Um, all the way from just something innocent like healthy recipes to anorexia promoting content over a very short period of time. Facebook whistleblower Francis Haugen testified to the Senate Commerce Subcommittee on Consumer Protection yesterday, presenting a wide range of condemnation to her former employer. She said she believes stricter government oversight could alleviate the dangers the company poses from harming children to inciting political violence to fueling misinformation. My fear is that without action, divisive and extremist behaviors we see today are only the beginning. The concern sparked a rare scene of unity among both Republicans and Democrats with a number of bills to address social media and data problems, but getting them to the finish line will be the challenge ahead. 
Governor Ron DeSantis vowed Florida would defend the free speech rights of its citizens as the Justice Department looks to address what U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland said Monday was a disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence against educators and school boards. Attorney General Garland wrote in a letter released Monday stating threats against public servants are not only illegal, they run counter to our nation's core values. Our Sunrise interview today is with Democratic Senator Lori Berman of Boynton Beach, who has just filed Senate Bill 388 with Representative Tracy Davis, a Democrat in Jacksonville. Berman says the goal is to make Florida a national example in reconciling with inequities and historical injustices by creating the Executive Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Senator Lori Berman, welcome to Sunrise. I see that you are just now filing a new bill that aims to address diversity issues within the state, within the state's agencies. Tell us about it. Sure, I'd be happy to. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, After the George Floyd killing last year, I started doing a little diversity panel um, in Palm Beach County, and an outgrowth of that panel was um, this bill. We Uh, talked about it and we talked about, you know, Palm Beach County having their own diversity policy. And I said, why don't we have a diversity officer in the state of Florida? So we did some research. We reached out. There are some other states that have diversity officers. They are cabinet level positions. And we decided that was the way we uh, to move forward. We did file this bill last year. Um, with COVID and everything that was going on, it, I feel like it kind of got a little bit buried. And um, we're filing it again this year. We're hopeful that this year we will get a hearing on it. and We will start to talk about why it, would, it is important for Florida to have a diversity, equity, and inclusion officer. And, and some of the things that they can be doing to uh, move the state forward. You know, most many businesses have a diversity, equity and inclusion officer in their in their company. And this would be a logical extension of that. Just seeing most of your Republican colleagues are seemingly to be going in the other direction of having a diversity officer of this caliber within the state ranks. Um, When you're seeing folks at Representative Randy Fine filing bills against critical race theory and the governor calling on the Department of Education to ban the topic in schools, almost conflating efforts to have diversity and sensitivity training being conflated into critical race theory. So it's it's all being pushed away. So with that, how much success do you envision with this measure? You know, I'm, I'm very sorry to see exactly what you said is taking place here in the state of Florida. And I really think that we need to educate um, the governor and my fellow legislators and for them to understand the fact that having a diversity, equity, and inclusion officer would actually be extraordinarily beneficial to the state and to attracting businesses to the state and attracting people to come um, want to be part of the of this state. Um, with that said, um, that education is going to be pretty difficult. Uh, I'm a realist, and and I understand that, um, but. 
I, I really think, you know, especially someone like the governor who's going to be running in a statewide election in 2022, for him to have a cabinet level position who for someone who can he can talk to and and say, you know, what are some of the things that you would recommend we should be doing in this state would be hugely beneficial for him when he's running. Um, I mean, I guess there's a small minority of his party who might not view it this way, but I think I think Nate for the most part, um, anybody who's part of a business who has a diversity officer understands how important it is to do to have someone in that position. All right. I guess we'll have to wait and see how it all turns out. But I am a little nervous after reading through some of the requirements. It would require review of agency policies and programs to assess whether undeserved communities have unequal access to benefits and opportunities, calls for increased state investment in underserved communities and requires implicit bias training in Florida's agencies. That part, knowing from what they've been railing against, some have been railing against as far as indoctrination, to use their words, might be like a sticking point for opponents of this measure. I mean, those those are things that we took from civil rights legislation that's been proposed. Um, I, I think that they're important steps. We do need to help underserved communities get um, access to, to resources to, to help them succeed. Uh, implicit bias training is simply training so that you recognize when there is um, bias that you, you might not, that's not as obvious. Um, so those are all important um, parts of the bill. And I think they are all important things that could advance Florida. And that's why we included them in the bill. And those are, um, you know, and certainly we want any person who is in this position to have duties that would have a significant impact. And those are part of that um, beneficial impact for somebody in this kind of position. But nevertheless, I will tell you, um, if the bill were to advance, we're always open to amendments. And um, I'd like to see the office created. And then if we have to, you know, they talk about bill, bill, uh, passing a bill is making sausage. Um, so I, I'm willing to look into different parts of this bill uh, in order to try and get it moving forward. And, that, and then go, you know, what they say, the Florida legislature takes baby steps. So let's take the first baby step, get a diversity, equity and inclusion officer on the cabinet level, and then we can expand, hopefully expand their duties once we've created somebody in that position. All right. Well, Senator Berman, thank you so much for taking this time to speak with me here on Sunrise. Thank you so much, Trimble. Here's your calendar of events. The Broward, Lake, and Volusia County Legislative Delegations are meeting today. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission will begin a two-day meeting with topics including a proposal to allow up to 200 fishing permits a year for Goliath Grouper and a discussion on shark fishing regulations. That's at 8.30 this morning. The Florida Supreme Court will hear arguments in three cases, including appeals in two death penalty cases. That's at nine. 
Also at 9, the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission's Harmful Algal Bloom Task Force will hold an online meeting. At 9.30, the State Reemployment Assistance Appeals Commission will meet. The State Labor Market Estimating Conference will meet at 10. Federal Communications Commission member Brendan Carr will discuss 5G technologies during an event hosted by University of Florida's Digital Markets Initiative and the Bob Graham Center for Public Service. That's at 1145. And the Florida Department of Environmental Protection will hold a meeting about a draft permit for Manatee County to inject wastewater from the site of the former Piney Point phosphate plant into the ground. That's at 4. Democratic Representative Geraldine Thompson has filed to run for Senate in 2022, aiming to return to the open Senate District 11 seat she held until 2016. That seat is being vacated because her successor, Democratic Senator Randolph Bracey, is running for Congress in Florida's 10th Congressional District. Learn more about that race on FloridaPolitics.com. Joel Greenberg, the friend of U.S. Representative Matt Gates, who pleaded guilty earlier this year to sex trafficking, asked a judge on Tuesday to postpone his sentencing until next year so he can continue cooperating with federal authorities. Greenberg asked the federal judge in a court filing to move his sentencing date from mid-November to next March. Yesterday, Attorney General Ashley Moody kicked off the virtual 2021 Human Trafficking Summit as chair of the Statewide Council of Human Trafficking. Joining us for our second Sunrise interview is Aaron Collins, Executive Director of the Florida Alliance to End Human Trafficking. Aaron Collins, welcome to Sunrise. I'm so glad to have you here. It's at a timely time because Attorney General Ashley Moody just kicked off the virtual 2021 Human Trafficking Summit. And I just wanted to talk with you to get a sense of where we are right now dealing with this issue of human trafficking in Florida. Sure. Well, good morning and thank you for having me, Tramel. Every year, Attorney General Ashley Moody, along with the Statewide Council on Human Trafficking, host a summit uh, last year and this year because of COVID. It has been virtual, uh, but it brings together local, state, national leaders um, who are working to eradicate all different forms of sex and labor trafficking. It has been a phenomenal success. Um, last year, we had over 5,000 individuals from 40 states and a couple countries attend the virtual summit. Uh, we had over 4,000 registered prior to today, the launch of the virtual summit. So we're looking forward to a lot of great attendees um, gaining information from a variety of experts, including direct service providers and advocates from law enforcement, for survivor leaders, and also policymakers who bring together um, legislative ideas to stop human trafficking in the state of Florida. So where do we stand with human trafficking in the state of Florida? How bad of an issue is it for today? Unfortunately, Florida ranks third for calls to the National Human Trafficking Hotline. Because our state is such a destination for visitors, tourists, for businesses, uh, whether you're coming to visit our beautiful beaches, whether you're going to a theme park, attending a conference, or potentially a sporting event, there's a lot of different uh, factors that might bring people to the state. Therefore, um, the demand for some of these bad actors who are moving people, victims uh, of human trafficking or labor, commercial sexual exploitation, sex trafficking, and or labor trafficking, 
fall victim because of the population and the different modes and means of transportation that that people come to our state. What does the rescue effort look like? Does it take, I, I you know, to hear the story, it takes a village. Like, how do people spot someone who is in need of help? You know, recognizing key indicators of human trafficking is the first step in potentially identifying victims and, and can help save a life. So some of the common indicators, uh, does a person appear disconnected from their family or friends? Has a child um, of school age stopped attending school? Is the person fearful, timid, submissive? Does an individual show signs of having been denied food or water, sleep or medical care? Does an individual live in unsuitable conditions? Um, are they moved from place to place? Can they freely leave where they, they currently live? Uh, the other signs that are very important, um, signs of physical abuse, burn marks, bruises, cuts. Um, is an individual less appropriately dressed than maybe before um, this potential trafficking situation? People can be withdrawn, depressed, distracted. Uh, new tattoos. Tattoos are often used by pimps or johns as a way of branding victims, unfortunately. Um, or, you know, an older boyfriend, a new romantic relationship, maybe different lifestyle um, or gang involvement are just some of the signs, not all, of a potential exploitive situation. So you monitor and you are deep into these educational conferences and forums and about spotting the signs of those who may fall victim to human trafficking. In hearing these presentations and attending these summits, from your personal perspective, what do you find most shocking? Or what do you hear from people who attend for the first time and hearing those stories? I think the thing that you never... Um, you're continuously shocked by and, and really saddened is that anyone can be potentially victim or vulnerable to a trafficking situation. We live in an amazing, beautiful state. We have some very affluent, wonderful areas um, in our state, but individuals are all susceptible. We all, um, because we are in the 21st century, um, you know, have multiple devices in our homes. Keeping our kids educated in an age-appropriate way is so important. So when I hear from law enforcement or survivor leaders from their lived experience, it's always shocking to know that it can happen to anyone. It's not a stereotype. It's not something that you've seen in a movie or maybe glamorized in entertainment or music. Anyone can fall victim and anyone can be susceptible. There are risk factors that increase that uh, potential chance to, to fall victim to a trafficking or an exploitive situation, but we all need to be vigilant. We need to uh, be aggressive in learning the signs and the indicators, teaching our, our students and our children in an age-appropriate manner. Um, and that's what this annual Human Trafficking Summit aims to do. Thanks to Erin Collins with the Florida Alliance to End Human Trafficking. Finally, as you jumpstart your day, thanks for tuning in for today's Sunrise. I'm Tramel Gomes at the Capitol, inviting you to join us again tomorrow for a fresh squeeze into Florida's news, politics, and culture. <music>